0: Well, today we have the privilege of starting a new annual theme uh, for our preaching ministry, and this is it finding life in Jesus' name. Now, normally we'd have a selection of, of sermon series throughout the year, generally from the Old and New Testaments in the Bible, uh, under this kind of unifying theme for the year, and, but this year we're going to do something a little different, and it's not nearly as radical as a church picnic, uh, but we're going to do something a little different this year. For the, almost the whole year, for over 40 weeks, we're going to go through uh, slowly, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, through the gospel according to John. And so, this morning, I have the somewhat, honestly, difficult task of introducing this whole series and also Uh, jumping into the beginning of John's gospel, which is traditionally called the prologue or the introduction. And John uses this prologue to introduce many of the themes that we will see going forward in the weeks and months ahead of us as we work through this account. So some of you might be wondering today, so first of all, what is John all about? And secondly, like, why should we care? You know, Why should we, as a people today, In 2023, in Appleton, Wisconsin, study at length the gospel according to John. And those are good questions, and I'm glad that you asked them. Uh, I'd like to start with a few questions for you. And the first is this. How do you feel about your life? Have you ever felt unsatisfied with your life? Or even when things were going well, That something was still missing. Now, I know that I've had those questions over the years. As a Christian, I've felt that way. As a pastor, I've felt this way sometimes. And it's not that good things haven't happened in my life. My life is full of just an unbelievable amount of blessing from God. Many good things have happened in my life, and I would assume in yours as well. But still, many people sense that there must be something more to life. But what could that be? Well, a long time ago now, there was a man named John who was one of the closest friends of Jesus. John was an ambitious and hot-tempered young man when he started to follow Jesus, like some of us perhaps were as well. So much so that Jesus called John, he gave John a nickname, John and his brother James, he, Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Cool, right? Okay. <laughs> Jesus, what's my nickname? Well, at one point, John wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy a city that wasn't receptive to the message of Jesus and his kingdom. That, this is who John was. He was ready to fight for the kingdom of God. But by the end of his long life, John became known as the apostle of love. What happened? How did this happen? It really seems as if everything about John's life changed. He saw himself no longer with this kind of hungry ambition to sit at Jesus's right or left hand, as he one time asked Jesus, in glory, but simply he saw himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. His view of himself, his identity changed. And John came to believe that God was not only loving as like part of his character, part of who God is, but that God himself is love. He changed not only how he saw himself, but how he saw the Lord, God. And John came to believe and teach that the main marker for the Christian life, the, the most important thing about the life that distinguishes the life of a disciple of Jesus from every other life, from every other way, is their love for one another. If you grew up with John and then met him later in life, you'd wonder, how did this happen? How did John experience this kind of radical change in his life? It was Jesus. We saw this through our series we just finished on the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul's life was changed radically too. It was Jesus then. Jesus turned John's life all the way upside down. And Jesus set John on on a different path and he walked with him for a season until John understood and believed that Jesus had come into this world so that we may have new life and eternal life uh, and have it to the full. Well, this is what Christians believe that Jesus does. So why should we care about what John has to say today? Well, because of this, because John claims that the new life that he found, a life which is marked by God's power and his presence and his purpose is available for all who believe today. And this is what John's gospel is all about. It's about who Jesus is, first and foremost, what God has done and is doing through Jesus, and then the reality of this new life, this eternal life, life to the full, that is possible when we believe in him. And so whether you've been a Christian your whole life, or if you're here today and you're just starting to consider the claims of Christianity, this series will better help you see the kind of life that is found in Jesus name so today if you have your Bible or a Bible app please take it and open it to John chapter 1 starting with verse 1 if you're not real familiar with the Bible there is a book in it called one John that's first John that's a letter we're not there we're in just John chapter 1 starting with verse 1 we'll put the scripture on the screens for you as well but we're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through this prologue which is a dense passage I will admit. And I'm gonna unpack it as we go. And then today, because it's the summertime, I'm just gonna leave you with one takeaway. Okay? Company, go easy on you. <laughs> Let's jump in. John 1:1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Let's pause here. So John very intentionally starts his gospel with the words, in the beginning. Now, what does that remind us of? Well, for for the Jewish audience of his day, they would have been immediately thinking about the first book of the Hebrew Scriptures, which is the book of Genesis. Genesis which starts in the beginning. Now for us today, this is the Old Testament in our Bibles, and and we should in turn think of how Moses began the book of Genesis, a book of beginnings, in the beginning. Moses said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So here, by using the same phrase to start his gospel account, John, brilliantly, is basically saying, With the coming of Jesus, we have a new Genesis. We have a new beginning. God is doing something new, a creative act, just like before. So echoing Genesis, John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But then he says, and the Word was God. It, and it's not just that God spoke as he did in Genesis when God said, let there be light, and there was light, but that word that God spoke was somehow with God while simultaneously being God himself. Unusual, right? What is John saying? What does he mean by this? Well, the next clue is that John says that this word was a he, He was with God in the beginning. And it was through him that all things were made. So who was this word? Who is he? Well, we'll find more clues as we continue. Uh, Let's look back at verse, let's continue with verse four. In him, this word, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent by God, sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light; he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Okay, let's let's pause here again. So so John is writing this as an old man. Uh, in the latter half of the first century A.D., and he's most likely writing from the city of Ephesus in modern Turkey, a city that we encountered a few weeks ago in our series on the life of the Apostle Paul. According to church history, the Apostle John was the bishop of Ephesus at the end of his life, overseeing the region that the Apostle Paul initially brought the gospel to. And John starts out... Um, And here we see one of the unique aspects of of how John writes. He starts with this theme, the word of God, and then he seems to mix his metaphors by introducing this theme of light and darkness. (laughs) But just wait, (laughs) this is nothing. As we work through this gospel, John stacks up one picture, one metaphor on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. And why does he do this? I don't think he's trying to be confusing for us. Uh, We just finished, again, this series on the life of the Apostle Paul, and Paul writes in a very different style than John, Uh, especially in his letter. I think of his letter to the Romans, where Paul writes almost like a lawyer building his case, laying out clear arguments which build on one another, almost in bullet point style. And Paul, though he grew up in Tarsus, which was a beautiful place by the Mediterranean, uh, with the view of the mountains, Paul never uses any sort of environmental metaphors. He gets right to the point, while John, on the other hand, has a very different style. So the same Holy Spirit inspired both apostles to write, but the Spirit always uses the personalities which are unique of the human authors. And so John, to me, seems way more artistic than the Apostle Paul. So we just spent a lot of time with Paul. Some of you are worn out. Some of you are really excited by his style. And, you know, I kind of am. And, and some of you, uh, others of you, may appreciate John a little bit more. I think John paints with watercolors and not bullet points. Well, I think that art is actually a great analogy for what John's gospel is, is like. I, I think of John's gospel like an art museum. Now, I don't know about you, but I went to a lot of museums when I was a kid. Everything was a learning opportunity for me. So uh, usually uh, an art museum assembles collections or exhibits under one unifying theme. Now, it could be a collection of works from a particular artist like Van Gogh or maybe a variety of artists from a particular culture or an artistic movement. But as you walk through the collection, you see there are many different pictures, many different portraits, some large taking up your whole field of view, immersing you in the scene, while others are small requiring you to come close and lean in. Otherwise, you'll miss something important. Now, some works in a, in a gallery are going to have bold colors and bold lines, brush strokes, while others will have softer images, maybe be more impressionistic. Yet, all these different works give you a little different perspective on the theme of the whole collection. And this really is how John writes. For John, the whole gallery is about Jesus. He is the unifying theme. But then John gives us many different portraits and images and scenes to help us see this one Jesus from many different angles and perspectives. So already we have Jesus as the word of God. He is the creator. And we have Jesus being the light of the world. He is the light. He is the truth. He does reveal what is true. Jesus is so many different things. And so throughout his gospel, John gives us many different metaphors for who Jesus is. Throughout his gospel, John gives us seven signs of his glory, miracles that reveal a little bit of who Jesus is. Throughout his gospel, John gives us seven I am statements where Jesus clearly identifies with God. John gives us several long sections of Jesus's teaching and, and all kinds of other things for us to look to and learn from and help us understand who this man is and what kind of life does he offer so one minor note before we continue with our prologue is that the man named john who's referred to in this section is not the author the apostle john but is john the baptist so one of the clues that John is the author of this gospel is that he doesn't distinguish John the Baptist because he's obviously the other John, (laughs) the apostle and the baptizer. Okay, John is a prophet who was sent by God to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. We'll we'll meet him in detail next week as we consider what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God. But let's continue today with verse 10. He So here, John introduces one of the major implications of the person and work of Jesus for us. Just as there is a new beginning, a new genesis in Jesus, the word of God, there is also a new covenant, a new type of relationship with God that is now possible in Christ. John says he came to his own, which means he came to the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew. He came through the biological family of Abraham, and yet he was crucified because, by and large, his people did not receive him. Significant portions of John's gospel are, are spent discussing why this happened. How could that have happened? As people, and we see people wrestling with the claims of Jesus. Is Jesus who he claimed to be? Would he accomplish what he claimed he would do? However, for all who did receive him, and this is very significant, for all who believed in his name, this is faith. Jesus gave them the right to become children of God, men and women who become sons and daughters of God. Now, as we saw in Paul's ministry, this went way beyond uh, the people of Israel to include the Gentiles, the non Jewish peoples, including all of the peoples around the world. And we see this with Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, and we see this elsewhere. God the Father is forming a family, not by biology or a certain ancestry or ethnicity but by faith in Jesus, his son. And so a major part of finding life in Jesus' name is realizing what life is like when God is your father and you are a child of God. We'll see throughout this gospel that Jesus makes this point, and John makes this point in a number of places and ways. In the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, or later in Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, and on and on. But let's finish the prologue starting with verse 14 here. Verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is God's Word. Well, so verse 14, really, in my opinion, is one of the most important Christological statements that's a big word statements about Christ uh, in the Bible. Remember, John started his gospel saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We've got, I think we've established that so far. Now here, he says, the Word, this Word, who was God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, the God who is the creator of all things, the maker of the heavens and the earth, he became a man. A living, breathing human being who who God, who John knew. He was his friend. He was an eyewitness to these things. He saw and heard these things. Now it's hard to catch this in the English translation of this, but in the Greek, in John 14, John literally says that the word became flesh and tabernacled with us. What does that mean? Well, this is the verb form of the same word for the tabernacle or the tent of meeting in the Old Testament that God established as part of his covenant with Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai. He gave them the law and he gave them some instructions for the tabernacle. Now, this was a tent that was the place where God's power and presence uniquely dwelled with his people. It was the place where God's space and human space we could say heaven and earth came together. This was the place where Moses would meet with and speak with God. This is the place where offerings were made in worship of God and to atone for the sins of the people. Now, throughout the Bible, God shares his heart for us that he wants to be with us. He wants to be our God and he wants us to be his people and for us to dwell together. But because of sin, we are separated from God. Even with the tabernacle in the Old Testament, the the presence of God there among a sinful people seemed to be more of a threat than a comfort at many points throughout their history. But one of the great themes of John's gospel is that Jesus is the true tabernacle, He is the true temple. He is the place where God dwells with his people. He is the place where God's truth is not only spoken and shared, but it's fully embodied. The word of God was made flesh. What this means is that if you look at Jesus, you see God. What this means is if you listen to Jesus, you are listening and you hear God. And only in Jesus can we ultimately know God, our Father in heaven. Even though no sinful human being has ever seen the fullness of the glory of God, for they could not see God and live, John says that Jesus, the one and only Son, who John wants to be clear about this point, is also God, lest we forget. He has, Jesus has made the Father known to us. Now again, we'll see this throughout John's Gospel. These themes in the prologue will run all the way through. We see this theme in, especially in John 14, where Jesus clearly says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And he also says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So with all of this here in the prologue, John introduces these themes. And I didn't want to spend too much time on any one of these themes because What are we going to do for the rest of the year, right? This is what we're going to be talking about for this whole rest of our series. So today, I want to just give you a picture, okay? We're standing in the foyer of the gallery, and maybe in the prologue, we're looking at like a You Are Here map of this exhibit that John has curated for us. And so my takeaway for you today is this. Real life is found by faith in Jesus' name. Now, I understand that I did not prove this to you today. I'm giving you the takeaway for the rest of the year right up front. And what we're going to be doing in many different places and through many different passages and through many different metaphors and themes throughout this whole series, I hope to show that this is true, that real life is found by faith in Jesus' name. But according to John, real life, that is the life of God the Father, that is the life of a child of God, the life of heaven, uh, eternal life, real life, a life to the full is found by faith. That is, This life is found by believing and trusting in the person and work of Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Son of Man, who is the Word of God and the Messiah, who is the great King, High Priest, and the I Am. John found this life, and it changed everything about him. It changed a son of thunder into the apostle of love. It changed his past, present, and future because, friends, Jesus changes everything. But for many of us today, and for many of the people in our lives, people that you love, your friends, your family members, and other people in this community, for so many of us, life in this broken world seems so unsatisfying. So difficult. It feels like something's missing. I think I notice it most when things seem to be going relatively well. Yet there's still this sense that there must be something more. Well, my friends, what we need is we need the word of God to speak. We need him to come into our lives in flesh and blood and make his dwelling among us as well. We need the light of the world. In short, we need Jesus. So whether it is your need to come to faith in Jesus for the first time in your life, or whether it is your need to grow in your faith in Jesus and learn more about this life that you already have been given and experience more of this life to the full of the way of Jesus, I trust that this is what God will do throughout the rest of this year. That's what this gospel is all about. Real life is found by faith in Jesus' name. So would you join me as we walk through this gallery and we take in and we consider and we meditate on all the different portraits and images that John has collected for us. And would you ask this question, Do you believe? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we know who you are more clearly because of your son Jesus. He has revealed who you are to us. He's revealed your heart for us. He's revealed your character and your way. And Father, I pray for all of us that we, as we consider the person and work of Jesus, maybe for the first time or maybe for another time, Lord, would you breathe through your Holy Spirit the breath of life into our hearts and minds, into our souls, so that we might be moved by what we find and we might be moved in faith to both believe and to trust in your Son. And, Father, that we might have life, an abundant life, an eternal life.